Hi guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this week's No Limits, a Mitrap podcast. So how you doing this week, Mike? Dude, I'm good. I enjoyed re-listening to our interview with David Brown. That was a good time. That was a very fun interview. Very fun interview. What a guy. Just he's he's killing it with the the publicist job and the publishing industry. These authors, they're lucky to have him on their team. He does it all. He does it all. And I still can't I, I get cracked up about that story about the statue, the Mitrap statue. <laughs> So much so that you you then photoshopped it into the White House, into the Oval Office, which is where it rightfully belongs. If you I was ask like, me. if not museum? in the museum, put yeah. it into the White House. The museum's a great idea. Like we got to get that Vince Flynn Museum, you know, off the road. We need to find a big donor, just somebody who knows St. Thomas, who, maybe some famous Minnesotan who loves Mitch Rap. So if you are listening and you know a millionaire celebrity. In Minnesota, who's a Mitch Rap fan, by all means, MitchRapPod at gmail.com. Let's make it happen. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, but that statue, uh, I was loving that story. And in my mind, I'm like, where else could that <gasps> transfer power? We got to put that statue in the White House. So I'm like doing Google Street View where you could zoom around looking for <laughs> a nice wall. I'm like, ah, not that wall. No, not that. Wall. Oh, perfect. Oval Office right there. There you go. There you go. Put it in the Oval Office. <laughs> Like, I'm trying to think, like, where... Uh, he guess he comes out in, like, some sort of room, right? Yeah. The steam-type like trunk yes, distribution the, room. Yeah. Yeah. That was a West Wing reference. <laughs> no, it's, funny. like, it's near that bunker, which is, like, down a staircase, probably a basement offshoot somewhere. Yeah. No, but it needs to move more central. Right in the Oval yeah. Office. You know what I remember from Transfer of Power that I really want to know if it's real? There was some like command and control center under a staircase. I don't. Do you remember Vince describing yeah. that? Yeah, 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 yeah. And they were monitoring all the cameras. I'm like, is that real? Like a little, you know, Harry Potter under the staircase cupboard <laughs> where some secret service agent is just like is monitoring all this. Yeah. Oh, we could have asked our guest for today's spot, but he probably wouldn't have told us. So he does have the secrets of the secret service, and so before we introduce him, our very special guest today little bit of business to take care of. Yes, yes. Updates, updates. We just appeared on another podcast. Why don't you tell us about that, Chris, our little collaboration we had just done. Yes, if you guys uh, haven't had a chance to check it out yet, I highly recommend you. We hopped on the Com Majors podcast last Thursday. We had our friend Brian from the Com Majors come on a couple months ago where we asked him about Mitrap, his Mitrap fandom. Uh, and he kindly asked us to join his podcast. We picked a movie to review. They're a, a movie reviewing podcast. We picked in honor of the late uh, Le Cure. We picked Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy to discuss. I think we had a pretty nice conversation talking about this this yeah. great movie. I thought it was a good movie, but uh, you know, I guess listen to the podcast if you want to know our thoughts on it. But um, yeah. and if you want to know anything about movies, they they have a wide span. You know, all the way from. I think this past week they did Fletch. The week before they did Arsenic and Old Lace. They've done Tenant. They've you know new movies, old movies, whatever crazy movies. Like just go check them out. I highly recommend them. Yep, for sure. That was a lot of fun. Uh, also, speaking of movies, Mike, this is thriller in our universe related. But so Amazon just released a trailer for 
Tom Clancy's Without Remorse. Have you seen this? I haven't seen it yet, but I got to go check it out because you. This is the second time you recommended it to me. You got to check it out. I, I, uh, maybe I'm like super hype about it, but it's uh, Michael B. Jordan is going to be Ooh. playing uh, John Clark. Very nice. Who is you know I guess like the Mitch Rap of the Clancy verse. He's not the analyst like Jack Ryan is. He's more like you know. He's a ex Navy SEAL. Uh, please don't get don't don't get mad at me. I'm I'm not like a I'm a Mitrap expert. Or I want want to be Mitrap ex- expert. I'm not a Tom Clancy expert. I've just read a couple you know Clancy books, which I really like. Anyways, this movie it looks badass. Michael B. Jordan, Guy Pierce. Ooh, that's um, a throwback. Uh, this other guy who was from the um, Washington Spies. Have you seen that 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 miniseries on TV? No. Oh, Jamie Bell. Jamie Bell, that's his name. Mm-hmm. Sorry. It just... It, All right. I don't know. It just. I like Michael B. Jordan a lot. And yeah. Do you know when so, that's dropping? When they'll they, release it? They didn't announce when it was coming, but it's coming right to Amazon Prime. So Nice. And I think it's going to be in the... Because obviously they have the rights to Jack Ryan and the, the TV series. Sure. So maybe... Because I think uh, out of the movies, Clear and Present Danger was had both... Jack Ryan and uh, John Clark in it, so maybe they're working towards like remaking that movie with Krasinski and uh, Michael B. Jordan. I don't know. That'd be interesting, interesting. To, to see what Amazon does with this. So interesting. I wonder if they're trying to make it, you know, like the Marvel Marvel Universe, different phases, and it all connects in the end somehow. Crossover yes. characters. Yes. That'd be One Division neat. just just ended today, which. I thought it was an amazing series, but hey, I different catch podcast. Up on it. Different yeah, podcast. Right, exactly. There's plenty of MCU Marvel podcasts <laughs> yes, out there. Yes. But yes. we are the only Mitch Rap podcast. podcast. Yes, we are. So we are. Speaking of uh, that, our patrons, we gotta thank you as always for everything you do. You're the reason we can make this podcast every week. You're also the reason we keep it ad free. And lastly, and perhaps most importantly, you are the reason that three care packages are in the mail as of this week to troops serving on the front lines. Chris, I sent 30 more thriller books, the majority of them, Vince Flynn, Mitch Rapp books, uh, to the troops. And 100% of that is thanks to the financial contribution of our patrons. So uh, we want to say thank you. And as a special incentive, each new patron who joins up this month in the month of March we will ship an extra care package with 10 thriller books in your honor. We'll put a little note in there saying that it's thanks to your contribution to the podcast. And that's 10 more Vince Flynn and thrillers that will be in the hands of our troops who certainly deserve it. Lastly, if, if you become a patron, you can get entered into our March book giveaway, which I think I'm down to only four autographed Vince Flynn books. So hop on, become a patron, and one of them could be yours. Yes, yes. All right. So today, we uh, we mentioned him at the top briefly. Uh, we have a very special guest uh, from another podcast, uh, which I also recommend. It's the crew from the Crew Reviews. We have uh, C.E. Albanese, Chris Albanese, a uh, former special agent in the Secret Service, and we had a great conversation with him, talking to him about the Secret Service. Obviously, we just did Act of Treason, which heavily involves the Secret Service, as well as the next book we're doing. So it's kind of you know tying together these two months. 
Uh, also, you know, just about being an author, about the Crew Reviews podcast. Uh, so, yeah, we hope you really enjoy this interview. Here it is. Well, today we welcome Chris Albanese, a man of many talents, including author and podcaster, the host of the incredible Crew Reviews podcast, a weekly show interviewing some of my personal favorite authors, including Jack Carr, Brad Thor, Michael Connolly, and others that you've had on. But our main reason for welcoming Chris today is to talk about and hear about his career in the Secret Service. So, Chris, thanks for joining us. Ah, it's a pleasure. Thanks, thanks for inviting me, guys. Pretty cool. It's not very often I get to be on this side of uh, you ask me questions, so this may be a little unfamiliar because in my past, my present, if I'm interviewing somebody, they're either a bad guy that I'm trying to get information from, or they're like, like you said, a best-selling author. Um, it's usually not me having to answer the question, so I'm going to have a drink here and uh, fire away. We can rest assured none of the bad guys were also best-selling authors, right? Or best-selling <laughs> authors were also bad guys, I hope. No, Sometimes. no, no. Okay. Although, uh, let me tell you something. They probably could be good writers because they got some crazy stories they could tell those bad guys if they knew how to write. But, you know, uh, in law enforcement, you usually only arrest us. We only get the dumb ones. You never get the really smart ones. <laughs> they get right? away. They always get away. They always yeah. get away. <laughs> Too powerful. But, um, yeah, so you guys want to talk about me. Yes. My wife was like, they want to talk about you? Why? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, if you could just, you know, give us a little bit of, you know, your background, sure. how you got to where you were, you know, tell us anything. anything you want yeah. To share. So, uh, so I grew up in Jersey. We were having a little banter about that before. I grew up in New Jersey um, and I went to Rutgers University and I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do at first. I thought I wanted to go into... Um, you know, sports, exercise, science, and then computer science. And then, you know, I, my, I come from a family in law enforcement. So I'm like, that's where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be doing law enforcement. So I, so I got my degree. I came out of school and I applied for and got hired by the New Jersey Attorney General's office. And I was conducting fraud investigations. And I ended up working a fraud investigation with a Secret Service agent in the New York, New Jersey field office, became a friend of mine afterwards. And he's like, what are you doing there? He goes, how much do you make? And I told him, he goes, Dude, you got to become a Fed. I'm like, yeah, all right, all right. He goes, apply to the Secret Service. I'm like, really? The Secret Service? He goes, yeah, you would fit right in. You're doing the fraud investigations. You know, we do Secret Service does fraud investigations and counterfeit, counterfeit money investigations and do the protection. So it's a dual mission agency. But he's like, he's like, you're, you know, a good investigator. It's like, okay, that's cool. So I applied, and this was um, 2001. I applied, and I was actually applying to the New York City field office because I was told I'd have a better chance. Of getting into the Secret Service because it was a bigger field office, and then 9/11 happened, and the the Secret Service headquarters was in Tower Number Seven, and that was oh, wow. one of the buildings that actually came down. And in 2001, it was all paper copy, so like my application mm -hmm. and everything was actually physical hard copy, wow. and it 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 got smushed into smithereens when that building came down. So I was like, maybe that's a sign. I'm like, I don't know. So I continued with the Secret Service thing, I mean, uh, with the state AGs thing. And then uh, a couple of years later, they called up and like, you're going to reapply. And so I reapplied and got hired uh, in 2004. Um, and I started off in the, the Newark, New Jersey field office, uh, conducting fraud investigations, mainly bank fraud investigations. They, the way they do is they set you up in different squads. So you have guys who do bank fraud, guys who do counterfeit uh, 
investigations. You'll have people, uh, agents who do protective intelligence, so like the crazies uh, and the plots against the protectees. So there's a squad dedicated to that for that district. Um, and then there's the folks who just do straight up protection. They don't touch the, uh, the investigation stuff. So then, but then I got transferred to the New York City field office, did some really crazy things. I've written about it. I have a website, I wrote about a couple of my experiences there. Um, it's really, it's uh, high speed, low drag type stuff where it's not like special forces or anything like that, but um, you, you're constantly working. You're constantly on high alert threat level. And then after that, I got transferred down to Washington DC and I was, I was put on the uh, vice president's protective detail. And I was assigned to Joe Biden, actually, when he was the vice president. Um, and so I was doing counter surveillance stuff there. I was doing protective intelligence. I was doing uh, advances. And then uh, I was married and we had two kids. And uh, my wife's a Secret Service agent. She still is. And I was traveling all the time. And it was just, I didn't want to be the dad that, you know, saw his kids every once in a while. Uh, right. And so I took a job at a different location. And so now I do something else still in law enforcement. Um, and you know, don't talk about it, but, uh, doing the secret service stuff was kind of like the, the highlight of my career. Cause I got to rub shoulders with Kings and Queens and presidents and former presidents. And I'm just a kid from Jersey. And some of the stuff I, <laughs> some of the stuff I've seen, like I've traveled the world literally. Um, I think the only continent I didn't get to step on was like Antarctica, Australia. I didn't get to Australia, although I was supposed to, I got pulled from the, from the trip. Um, so like I've seen some really cool things, some really cool things that I could talk about, some really cool things I can't talk about, and those right. are like the coolest things. Yeah. Um, because even though I'm still at, I'm out of the Secret Service, you know I'm still held to those. Um, right. Yeah. You know I, I signed a lot of documents about <laughs> my clearances and stuff, and so they're like, even though you don't have your clearance, you can't talk about this, 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 and this. I'm like, yeah, I, I get it. I'm not gonna because you know it's the Secret Service, right? Yeah. So. They do have secrets. There are no secrets in the Secret Service, but there are secrets. I have a question because I think I read this in, I don't know, it might have been a Jack Reacher novel. But is it true that majority of the Secret Service actually is not involved in protection? It's more so the counterfeiting and the fraud and stuff? So, that, it's a, it's a, it, so it's a smaller agency, right? Uh, there's about 5,000. Now I think there's about 5,000. So you have, you have special agents. And then you have uniform division uh, men and women. Uniform division are the ones around the, the White House perimeter. They look like they wear uniforms. They look like police right. officers. Um, but there's, there's three phases of a Secret Service agent's career. There's your, your, your investigative phase one, where you start off in a field office. While you're in a field office, you're, you're running your criminal investigations, but you're also being tasked for manpower to stand post for whenever the president comes in the district or foreign gotcha. visits, mm. or if the president or the vice president or someone else who's a protectee is, is in a like um, concurrent or nearby district and they don't have enough people, they'll pull agents and be like, we need you guys flood the area, go stand post. So, um, so you do do the protection when you're in your phase one, but when you're in phase two is when they send you to DC and you're either assigned to the president's protective detail or the vice president's protective detail or protective intelligence. You could also do the counter assault team. They call it CAT. That's our um, uh, specialized weapons team. They're like um, um, a QRF, quick reaction force. Gotcha. gotcha. Uh, so they got like the big guns. They'll pull down the threats. They're, they, you know, they're highly trained. They worked a lot. They, you know, they do a lot of training with um, um, Dev Group and, and 
those types of folks. Anyway, um, and so then, but when you're done with that, it's about six, six to eight years of working shift work. You work in, you know, days, afternoons, midnights, it rotates, mm-hmm. uh, weekends, your, your days off fluctuate, rotate. Sometimes you don't get them. Most of the times you didn't get them. Uh, and then, and then you do your phase three was you go back to the field office. So, I mean, it, it always fluctuates and there are a ton of people now doing protection, but I, I would say, um, cause that's the bread and butter, but there's so many other agents who are doing the, the criminal investigation stuff. Okay. Okay. But, but you, you, the thing is, because it's a dual mission agency, they you kind of need that because you get burned out man. there's only, there's only so so many years that your body physically, mentally can actually handle doing all that crazy shift work and right. traveling all the time. Like it just weighs on you. Yeah. So what's it like when you do get the notice that you were selected or however the process happens for a presidential or vice presidential detail? Is that a big stepping stone in a career? Is it expected that most people will, will rotate through that for you, particularly with the vice president Biden? Do you recall, um, learning about oh, yeah that. yeah so so i was so i like i said before i was married i'm married to a secret service agent and we were in the new york city field office together and the secret service you know you know it's very mission oriented but they try to help out the, their employees right because without without the employees there's you can't the mission so moving my wife and me at the same time is actually a logistics nightmare for the go figure for the for the secret service to get us down there because they have to fill a spot uh, in each place. And sometimes there's just not a spot there, like an opening, right? Because it's cyclical. Um, and so they like, all right, we can get you down. Your wife's going to go to protective intelligence and you're going to go to the vice president's detail. And it's kind of, you're, you can, you can put in, I want to do the president's detail. I want to do the vice president's detail. I want to do protective intelligence and that's great and fine and dandy. But if the service says, yeah, the no, you're going here. That's where you, you go. Do it. Yeah. You do it. And they said, you know, if you, and they told me, they said, if you want to go down with your, your wife, we're sending your wife to protect intelligence. If you want to go down there with her, you're going to have to go to the vice president's detail. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, oh, okay, I'm going to the vice president's detail. Uh, but, you know, if you talk to any secret service agent, they want to go to what you call, we call the, the show. You're a secret right. service agent. You want to protect the president. Like that's, that's like the whole thing. That's the whole deal. Um, but doesn't make it any less, uh, uh, you know, doesn't make any less of an agent if you're going to like protective intelligence, if you're doing dignitary protection detail, which is another offshoot, or if you're doing the vice president's detail. But yeah, it, it was cool. But it's also, it's also scary. Because you're like, you have, you have, you, they send you on your house, house hunting trip. And then like, you have to find a place to live. And if you don't find a place to live within that one week that they send you down there, you're mm. SOL. <laughs> It, it, you you have a reporting time. You you have to show up, whether you live there or not. You're gonna show you're gonna up. Have to figure it out. Yeah, you figure it out, right? Yeah. How I guess I don't know. You probably can't tell us too much, but how was it? You know, protecting Vice President Biden. It is. Uh, it's a cool experience. Um, so so not only was I like directly assigned to Vice President, right? So I was with him for three years, every single day. Like I would go to the Naval Observatory. Because uh, that's what the vice president's residence yep. in Washington D.C. And you know we we would do our shift change and, and stuff there. And you start off, or in the afternoon you'd go to the White House because vice president has an office in the White House. He also has one in the EEOB, which is the building across from the West Executive Drive. Um, and so you go to the White House. So it listen, 
like I said, as a, as a kid from Jersey, being able to like, yeah, here's my pass, mm -hmm. which the Secret Service badge and ID is kind of like an all-access pass. There's no, no doors are locked for us, at least within the White House and all that stuff, which is kind of cool. So, you know, to walk across West Executive Drive and then go into the White House and then, you know, go into the Vice President's office, go into the Oval Office, go into the Roosevelt Room, like being able to walk the colony, the Rose, Rose Garden, walk, walk all around you know, like you're the guy in charge because you're the guy in charge, basically. Uh, cool. It's it's surreal. And then after a while, it becomes like, okay, this is this is where I go to work. <laughs> and then it's not. <laughs> and you've done right. a hell of a good job preventing me from getting to work on time a few times with the, uh, the motorcade <laughs> Dude, coming through. If you get stuck in those freeze, I write about that stuff. If you get stuck in that bubble and that freeze, sorry, man, it sucks. <laughs> It really yeah, does. I, I've gotten used to it too. It's like, damn it. I hear the sirens and the motorcycles come first. And I'm just like, crap, put this thing in park. I'm going to be here for about 10, 15 yeah, minutes. Right. <laughs> Every day from where we, where we live together, Martini, I would, yep. to go to Catholic university, I would drive right by, right, right across by the, the, Naval, the, Observatory. the Naval Observatory. Yeah. yeah. My yeah. job is a few know. blocks away. So I passed it every morning. When, when, when were you doing, what, what years was this? Uh, 2012. Well, we were there from 2008 <laughs> I to was 2012. there, dude. <laughs> Yeah, you probably, stopped. Yeah. you probably forced us to pull over to the side. Yeah. So. Probably did. I remember one of the State of the Unions, I was trying to come home from work and I had to work pretty late and I have to go around the Naval Observatory from my school in Northwest DC. Right. And I think I was in the building, maybe parent-teacher conferences like till seven or eight that night and it was State of the Union. I'm like, crap, I should have realized and I was stuck <laughs> behind the motorcade trying to get out. <laughs> it's, always, it's always, you know, what's really cool though is like being in that bubble. Like when you're the guy driving the car, like oh. everyone else is frozen. Yeah. I mean, we're driving right through, man, without a care. Yeah. I mean, we, there's lots of cares, but like we're moving, you're not. So I guess cool speaking of the, of the motorcade, um, uh, there's a bunch of videos on YouTube mm -hmm. of like the beast, the beast and mm -hmm. like the training. Like, did you ever drive the, the so you have to get rated to drive a separate class now? Okay. Yeah, you gotta be. You have to be rated to drive the beast. I mean, we all go through tactical training. There's, there's some really cool training that you go through. Uh, I'll, t I'll give you a training uh, training story. Um, so you guys know like what the X is. So the X is the kill zone. So if you're if if you are in that kill zone, if you're on the X, you have to get off of it. So okay. so speed is a, is your friend, right? You you don't want to stop because then if there's an ambush, like they want you to stop so they can kill you. The bad guys they want you to stop so they can kill you. And so we would do these training scenarios where the limousine, so you'd be the, like the follow-up driver in the Suburban. You, you would have an agent driving the, the limousine and they would simulate you being stuck, either like there's a car in front of you or the, they'll simulate, they'll have like kills on the engines and they would kill the, the limo on you and you would stop. And then op four, the op, opposition force would come out and they would, you know, shoot and they would, sim rounds and explosions would be going off and the guy driving the follow-up me would have to slam into the rear bumper of the limo the limo driver would have wow. to make sure it's in, in neutral and you're pushing you're pushing the the limo off the uh off the x and you're wow. going and you're and you, know, you guys make sure you're you're lining up the same time so you do a lot of practicing of that well we use real secret service stuff right so it's like a real armored suburban a real armored limousine because you, you if you, how you're going to react in the real world is how you react in right. a training so yeah. they want to simulate as best as they can and right. it was bill clinton's limo that i was for like a day just smashing <laughs> into 
Bill Clinton's limo. <laughs> Boom, smash, and it would go. <laughs> I tore that oh, thing up. <laughs> and you don't have to pay the bill for doing Not it. Not at all, so dude. That's why it's always fun. But I will tell you, my back is so effed up. Uh, <laughs> Still to this day. It's... <laughs> Well, you guys probably get some good benefits, I hope. Yeah, no. <laughs> government employees. It's, it's the government. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Motorcade, that's a good time to transition. We really wanted to talk to you about the representation of the Secret Service in media, and particularly, of course, being the Mitch Rapp podcast, yeah, of course. in Vince Flynn's books. And the one we just reviewed on the podcast over the last few weeks, Act of Treason, is perhaps Vince's first book that really heavily involves Secret Service. So right. um, it involves a motorcade, and there is an explosion. It's a detonated explosion as they turn a corner right. in Georgetown. This one agent, Agent Rivera, she, she thinks she sees somebody. And so there's a couple things going on in the book where they don't believe her because she knows how to spot the professionals. She says, look, I, the, the nutcases are easy. We know what to look for. We can see the right. signs. The professionals are a little harder. And so... How attuned and trained are agents in picking out different people from a crowd? You know, what what do you look yeah. for? Because Agent Rivera, without her leads, Rap wouldn't have been able to track down the guy who detonated this thing. Yeah, it's one of one of the one of the criteria is that they so the Secret Service gets a, a pool of applicants, it's like astronomical. I mean there was some there was some number that was given to me like you beat out X number of like thousands of people. Um wow. because they think you get a battery of tests done and they put you through some they just pick the right people. I'll give you an example of, of how in tune Secret Service agents are of we, when you write, you, you, you probably see some of the stuff like head on a swivel, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the guy's yeah, head yeah. was on a swivel. It's actually a quote from Active Treason. Red, Red right, Thor right. says that phrase all the time. So, so you see it in all the thrillers. Like, you know, yeah. it's Vince Flynn started that and everyone's like, yeah, head on a swivel. Yeah. So that is a legit thing. Your eyes are, it's your head's not necessarily your head, but it's your eyes. Your head, your eyes are always looking. First at eyes, then at here, then hands, face, and then ankles. And it's constantly, I think, because I, I, I knew you guys were going to talk about this. And, you know, I, I just flipped through the story real quick. And I think they make mention of it. It's the agent is like looking and then within a couple seconds can just move right on. And that's a real thing. Like you, you can determine whether that person's a threat or not. Mm. I remember I was on, on uh, Sarah Palin's protective detail back in 2008 when she was, she was running for vice president with McCain. And we were at an event, and, and it was in a firehouse. And, and Sarah Palin was, was sitting at a desk and just taking pictures and then, like, doing autographs. And there was a line of people. And there was local police there, and then there was the shift agents, and I was one of the shifts. And there were – you can't have weapons or anything like People got screened, but there was this one guy with a keychain, and it was hanging near. It was kind of hidden by his, his shirt, right? But it, you could see it, and it was a little thing of pepper spray. And he was about 15, 20 feet from me. And I grabbed one of the, uh, the sheriff's deputies that was near me. I'm like, grab that person over to the side. He's like, uh, what? I'm like, just grab that person. Because I knew the person wasn't a threat, right? But at the same time, everybody's a threat. Yeah. Right. Until they're not a threat. Until they're not. You, yeah. Until you're not a threat. And so he grabbed the person. He's like, he's like, why? I'm like, get to grab the keychain. He's like, what keychain? I'm like, to me, the keychain was like this fucking big. Big thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. To him, he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, yeah. Grab the keychain. Grab. I'm like, just grab the person over here. And so we grab me and like, you can't have this. And the guy was like, what? And I'm like, you can't have this pepper spray. And he's like, holy god, I didn't even know I still had that. And the detective looked at me. The the deputy looked at me. He's like, 
how the fuck did you see that? And I was like, how the fuck did you trained to do your training? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, How did you not see that? Yeah. Jack Um, Carr talks about, it's like you, you can't expect any, like you can't expect to become a superhero in the moment, but you default to the best level of your training. Oh, always. And I, I give you one scenario where, where uh, there was um, like the crazies. You could spot the crazies. This was uh, West Point. President Bush was giving a speech, the commencement speech for the West Point grads. And I was at one of the main mag checkpoints, magnetometer checkpoints. And so like, it was like 15 of them. So crowds of people are coming through. And there's a guy at the end. Um, and he's got all the classic jittery. He's like this jittery. He's holding the box. And he's looking around and he's jumping lines like that just sends all my mm-hmm. spidey signal. Like I am, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? What is this guy? And we ended up having to like pull that guy out, try to get away. We ended up pulling him out, stopping him. Um, we didn't throw him on the ground, but we had our protective intelligence people come out and the guy had a box and there were all letters he had written to president Bush. And he's like, I, I just want to hand these to President Bush. Can can I get these to President Bush? We're like, no, dude, <laughs> you're not coming in there. And so, like, he got interviewed for like two, three hours. But he was a crazy person. But you could tell he was a crazy person. But that doesn't mean crazy people are not dangerous. They're right. very dangerous, right. you know. So, um, just what you were talking about, I found the quote: "An act of treason." And and Vince writes, "Quote: Rivera's head was on a swivel." never hovering on any one person for more than a second or two. Yeah. Most agents did this naturally. A few had to be taught. The ones who didn't catch on were weeded out. There was nothing to the job, if not what was instinctual. Yeah, I, he's right with the, uh, you know, moving on, like looking at it and not a threat or no bulges or no weapons. Don't see, you know, I don't need to spend any time on this person. I need to look for the threat. But uh, I wouldn't say the, the, they're weeded out. They're weeded out in the academy tell you that much um by the time you get to your protective detail so you don't just show up on the president's detail with the president's detail you you actually when i was there you had to go through dignitary protection detail i don't think you have to do that anymore but you also have to go through a whole bunch of another training right. like you know like a whole bunch of specifically to the detail and if if you don't pass that you're not going to the detail you'll they'll send you somewhere else uh right. either you're getting, you're getting let go or they'll send you desk job doing something else yeah so so like the whole we now thing yeah i guess so but yeah no he's spot on did he have uh, you know a lot of the guys they talk about uh in their acknowledgments did he have uh, a secret service hmm. i wonder if he, he might have yeah now that you're saying that he might have yeah i think because i know brad so. thor brad thor mentions a a couple secret service uh or one in particular uh, and I and I had worked with the guy's son, so it, it, he was it was Kavikia, I think he mentioned Brad Thor mentions in his, the end of his books, uh, but I wonder if Vince Flint, he had to because that's that's too that's too on the head, you know, like yeah. getting that right. Yeah. So another thing in in the book is there's a, obviously a transition and between a transition of power, and we've obviously just gone through a transition right. of power. Uh, you were you involved in? I guess you mentioned you were on Bush and obviously Obama. So you were involved in that transition. So can you just explain a little bit of like how, you know, is that craziness for you guys? Like what, what, what goes on with the secret service with transitions? So, so what happens? Um, so when there, when there's a, an election going on, so we can go back to Romney against Obama or McCain versus Obama or Bush. And yeah, let's stay away from the recent ones. <laughs> right. 
So what happens is the Secret Service sends what, what are called candidate-nominated operations uh, CNOS. They're called CNOS, whatever the S. I think I forget what the S stands for. So they, send, they, they stand up an entire detail just as if it was another president's detail. So, so those guys will be running protection for that protectees for, like, say, Obama or Trump before they were president and they were candidates. Say the candidate wins and the incumbent loses. The candidate wins. That protection team is still there. Mm. They're still – so what they'll do is they'll send over some – so the, it's the candidate wins. He's not the president yet. They'll send some of the PPD guys who are on, like some of the bosses and some of the shift guys, and they'll supplement the CNOS guys that are there, guys and, and men and women that are there. They'll supplement them. And then when, they, when he actually takes the oath of office, it'll be all PPD. And the, and the CNOS people will go back. They usually are pulled from field office. They'll go back to the field office. Um, so it's, it is super manpower intensive. So every four years, Secret Service agents get their asses handed to them. Mm-hmm. I bet. Um, I bet. And we make a tremendous amount of overtime. And then we make so much overtime that they have to stop paying us. Yeah. Because <laughs> oh, there's man. a cap. There's a salary cap. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a salary cap for the year and, and a biweekly salary cap. And once you smash into that, you're working for God and country. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Been there. That doesn't seem right to me. Sorry. Yeah, right. It's not. It's not. But you give know. you a heck of a lot more. Mm. <laughs> Another thing I wanted to ask you about is we always hear about these different strategies or technology or these cool gizmos that they have one that yeah. comes up in the book is are these electronic jammers and obviously this was what 90 no this is early 2000s i think active yeah, trade was, like, was published yeah they talk about how the agent in charge of this motorcade chose not to have these electronic jammers that could jam signals and detonation devices uh, another scene we have a camera 24 7 in the ceiling of the oval office and the only one who can tell the secret service to turn it off is the president uh, we get a whole bunch of things like this. And then we get um, shuffling the limos. They shuffle the first one and the second one, mm-hmm. so you're not really sure, you know, like a shell game. How true are these little details that you see portrayed, these little, like, tidbits that kind of get an audience, they 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 tingle your fancy? Are things like that often true when we read does about it, them or see them in for, or, or, like, something similar to this, like, um, in Vince's first book yes. where he's talking about the White House, he obviously had to have gotten that information from a Secret Service agent where he even says, like, in the – the preface that I had to completely change it because I didn't want to like be yep. that accurate. Yep. So, yeah, listen, I, so I, I've written a, a book that I, I, the secret service legal people went through and they asked me to uh, change it. They asked me, they can't tell me cause it's fiction and I'm no longer a secret service employee, but they asked me to change some stuff mm. um, because it was too close. And here too I thought, here I thought I wasn't close, but even <laughs> to them, it was too close. Was like too I close. had like, I changed it. I, to me, I thought I changed it drastically. So, so, so let me ask you, when you read that stuff, does it, does it seem believable? And oh, you're yeah. like, yeah, I mean, that's makes sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it does. To I me. A lot, so a lot of that stuff, uh, even to uh, admit or not admit to it is a, you know, some of that it's stuff could plausible. be top secret. Some of it could not oh, be gotcha, top secret. Gotcha. So some of that gotcha. stuff actually can't be, but I mean, it makes for a hell of a story and uh, makes it very believable. Yeah. And shit, I, I would write that stuff. Well, here's yeah. one that I, I think is going to be really believable. In Memorial Day, 
when obviously that one is a big threat, a nuclear weapon in DC. Right, right. Threat. Dude, that's actually one of my favorite books. Oh, okay. There we go. It's actually our highest rated on the podcast so far. Is it? It's probably yeah. going to be my favorite thriller uh, when we're all done. But Jack Warch is the, the head of the presidential detail. Right. He gets the president and the first lady out um, in 52 seconds. You know, the team jumps into action. They're, I think, on the road. No, the president's on the helicopter. On the helicopter. The first lady is on the road in the motorcade. Right. 52 seconds. You, is, is that plausible? Is that what yes. you guys trained for? Yeah, it would even probably be less than that. Wow. Yeah, we, we train so often. So, <clears throat> so the men and women are on the detail. They spend two – they have training cycles. So they spend two weeks on each cycle, be it whatever shift they're doing or whatnot. And then they spend a whole bunch of time on their training cycle. And in that training cycle, they run scenario after scenario after scenario to get that shit down because it's, it's like an emergency action. So you have, you, you have something immediately, right? So you don't have to think it up. Something bad goes, something goes bad. Something goes wrong. There's no, Oh shit. What do we do? It's something went wrong. Move. And everybody knows what they're doing because they've done it a thousand different times. And so they move and it's, and it's like this and, and it has to be like this. And so you can end up in mountain weather. I think he talks about. Right. The, he does. In the complex, right? Not too far, you know, continuity government type yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, and we can either go by motorcade or we can go by air. Um, and, and typically we like to go by air just because we can control that from the ground. There's so many different variables that can happen in the air. One, it's faster um, and speed. Like I was talking about before, speed is your friend. It's always yeah, right. your friend. Yeah. One more question before we want to, we want to talk to you about the crew reviews and podcasting and, and writing as well. But uh, we had to, we were talking about this, about clothing. So <laughs> typically, you know, we see you guys in, in suits. Yeah. You know, is it, is it like a standard military issue, you know, Government issue, or you no. wear whatever you want. You, you, you get an allowance. Your, your Bruce Brothers. Right? Okay. You okay. get, you get a, you know, Sean was just calling me. I should have actually put him on. Uh, Sean Cameron from the crew reviews. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> let me tell him I'm talking to you guys. Do you mind? Yeah, no, no go for it. I was going to say, we should do some hey. podcast collaboration. Hey, uh, yeah. Well, that's all right. I'm, I'm filming a podcast with the, uh, the Mitch Rap guys. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're gonna be on the show now. <laughs> yeah, I'll call you when I'm done. See, so yeah, bye. <laughs> so so uh, we're we're writers, right? Sean, Mike, yes, and and yes. I were writers. Yep. And he had just sent me something to read, and I'd read it, and I was giving him my review on it, and I was like, "Dude, where are you? Call me back." And there that was like an hour ago. Now he's calling me back. <laughs> no, so I apologize. Sorry. Okay. So what was? I'm sorry. What was the question again? Uh, I, I was just wondering, like, if it was oh, oh, the clothing. You, you, you answered it, yeah. No, well, the clo So the clothing, you get, you get an allowance, right? Um, but it always has to be tailored because um, we're always wearing body armor, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then for, for depending on if you're right-handed or left-handed, the weapon on your mm -hmm. side. If if you've ever worn a weapon and a suit, the inside of your suit is going to fray it because, it, yeah. because it keeps it – keeps, every time you walk, it keeps uh, hitting against your rear sights, and it just, it just rips it. And so you, you get some extra padding in there. Um, and then if you're going to wear a backup weapon, like on your ankle or in the small of your back, you just – you got to make it comfortable, and you have to have spots for it. So it's all tailored. Uh, your tuxedos nice. are tailored. Your, your suits are tailored. Um, and 
you gotta you gotta look the part too and your your shades uh those you oh you yeah, pick, yeah you pick those out uh no no they pick them out but they but you could get a discount there might be a discount for particular uh um manufacturer yeah okay. well you guys get the ones with the special lasers in them right oh yeah it's all about lasers okay. now yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah so you know they had augmented reality in ours now so it's actually pretty cool tight 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 yeah, that would be pretty nice sweet. <laughs> you know this is more coming at it from a movie approach but i feel like i've seen represented in movies the idea of like concentric circles of protection um yeah. how how much uh does that figure into the wider plans versus you guys being that really tight small circle often at the president's side or the protectee's side yeah versus this um more creative approach to looking at wider perimeters you just what is how does a plan like that come to fruition yeah there are ring there are rings of security and and so for any time that the president's going somewhere, there'll be a Secret Service advance team that goes out. If it's international, the, the advance team goes out way before. Advance, yeah. yeah, way before the there's like a there's like a pre-advance to the pre-advance to the advance. Yeah, like it's it's intensive. Um, but there are there are there are rings of security, and if if shit has gotten so bad that the shift agents who are the ones who are standing right next to the the principal, the protectee, the president, the vice president. If the threat has gotten that close, we have failed. Mm-hmm. We have not done our job because a secret service, the secret service agent's job is all in the advance work. Yeah. Right. Like it, like we have, like I just said, we have completely failed if, if the threat is now in front of the president. Yeah. Um, but we also train for that. Yeah. And, and, and the men and women who are there will, will know how to know how to react. So usually your outer rim um, ring will be your local police, your state police, and then uh, as you come in closer, you get your federal and then your secret service. And then, um, but it's all being coordinated by the secret service, like all of it. Yeah. So, Cool. Yeah. Well, that was, that was all great stuff. But now, now I think we want to transition a little bit and talk about, if you could tell us a little bit about crew, crew reviews and tell, sure. tell us how you got it started. Um, yeah. And, you know, we love Plug listening it. to you guys. So. <laughs> well, dude, I, I appreciate that. Uh, so you guys know David Brown, right? Yes. Of course. So David Brown, who's uh, the the uh, publicist extraordinaire for Atria Books, for Kyle Mills, for the Vince Flynn Mitch Rat Books, uh, he is awesome. So uh, back in 2019, we went to Thriller Fest. Me, Sean, Mike, and we were hanging out. We were drinking, of course, we were at the bar, and he. David was just listening to us talk and we, Sean and Mike and I had never met in person before. Uh, so this was the first time we had met in person, but it's like, we were like kindred spirits. Like we had known each other since college. And that's what David said. He goes, dude, how long have you guys known each other? Like from college? I'm like, no, it's the first time we've actually met in person. He goes, Oh, you guys need a podcast. And we're like, bingo. We need a pod- what the f- podcast. Me. I was like, I don't podcast. What's, why who's gonna who wants to listen to me so so now we're here we, interviewing you yeah now so then we went back we're like yeah dude that would be really cool and it'd be you know maybe we could talk to some maybe maybe we can talk to some authors david was like i'll send you some of my authors and some of his authors are like some of the best authors in yeah. the genre so we're like yeah okay sure and so our first our first guest so it took it took, we started, we started talking about it in June and we, our first filming was in September. So it took us a lot of, uh, to stand up. Like we had to get the equipment, we had to figure out the format the question, like what we were going to do, 
what our name was going to be. We don't review anything, but I don't know why we call ourselves the crew reviews, but yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, so our first, our first guest was Jack Carr and uh, we're, you were like, so how, you know, what, what's our theme going to be I'm like, well, it should be meet your favorite author at the bar. And, you know, we all love to drink. So we'll be drinking while we're doing the interview and, and everybody will be relaxed and we'll laugh a lot because if you've listened to a lot of author interviews before, it's very dry mm. and very highbrow and there's nothing highbrow about me. Maybe let's see. Uh, like, you know, I just want to read a great book, talk to a great author and have fun with it. And hopefully other people will see it and, and laugh with us and, by the author's book but we you know we've had the opportunity to you know we've been i think we, we've done 70 we filmed wow. i think 77 episodes wow. Um, wow and this was just going to be like a th and you got some big names i don't even know why or how but yeah we ended up we've interviewed some of the biggest names in not just military espionage spy thrillers but just like thrillers in general and these people come on, they're like, dude, that was the best. Like after, you know, after we talked, they're like, yeah. I've never been asked questions like that. I've had so much fun with this. We're like, oh, we're doing something right. I'm like, this, you are. that's you guys pretty are. cool. There's a marked difference if you watch some of these like virtual book tour interviews oh. where it's a librarian or it's a bookstore that obviously doesn't do like this genre or focus on it. They haven't read yeah. the book. And then you listen to you guys and you're chatting up with the authors, you're you guys, you know, it's so natural. It feels like, I guess that's yeah. because you guys are all top readers and authors yourselves. It's just so yeah. natural. And there's something so refreshing about your conversations than these other ones that go stale when it's with a, a random interviewer who doesn't know the genre or the author. That's the thing. I mean, we are fans first, first and foremost, we are fans. And so if you, if an author comes on our show, you're damn sure we have read the book. Right. And we're, and, and, and so we, our questions are going to be about the author's career, because usually we get some people, this is like their 15th or 20th book or whatnot. So you want to talk about their whole career, but then we get into the nitty gritty of the, about the book. And, and there's so many times the authors are like, no one's ever asked me that question. They're like, I just love being able to talk like the, like we talked to Greg Hurwitz recently. He's like, I love talking to people who love books and just want to get into the nitty gritty of it. And, you know, peel back the onion and talk about some, some cool things that go into it. Not just like, you know, how many words do you write a day? What time do you write? What's your inspiration? Like, right. Okay, that's yeah. Okay, you can ask those questions, but you know why? Why does Mitch Rap feel like he needs to kill all the bad guys? Like, what happened in his past? You know, is there a little bit of Kyle Mills now in Mitch Rap? You know, we've seen the questions change. we love. We want to ask. We've like, definitely you know, seen, seen a change. We've seen Rap, right? you know, really change over the course of all the books, and then Kyle versus Vince. Like, there's a lot to dig into there. Oh my gosh! And then, and then with the you know the movie, the movie stuff. How much does that influence the writer? Because now a lot of people see that's Mitch Rapp yeah. as opposed to mm. like, you know, this is Mitch Rapp. Yep. Because they're a little bit different, right? Well, let's, so, I, let's just go over there. Are you a fan of the movie? Yeah. American Assassin. Uh, give it to us. I, well, listen, I, I like action movies, uh, but I will always pick the book over any of the mm. movies. Any, any <laughs> but it's a very but, but, it's a diplomatic, diplomatic answer. Diplomatic answer. <laughs> but but listen, I could sit down and and enjoy it, right? And know yeah, that I will. Yeah, I will agree with that. It as a as a reader, I hated it. As a right. movie trap fan, I hated it. Yeah. As a movie, it was a, it was good. You know, I, I, right. And when we cover it on the podcast, 
I'm going to have a really hard time, but I need to do this. I need to review it as just a movie and and evaluate. Was it a decent action movie with an okay story to tell and some decent acting? All right, right. maybe, sure. How do I think about it as a Mitch Rapp book or a Mitch Rapp story or a Mitch Rapp movie? Mm. <laughs> Did it do justice yes. to Vince Flynn? Mm. It's it's know. funny after talking to so many authors and we you know we've had a couple uh, directors on as well, movie directors. The difference, and I never really I never really thought about it prior to this. The difference in the medium of what a like a book and what you could put in the book as opposed to two hours on the screen, they're completely right. yeah. different animals. And so you have to change some stuff because it, it may work in here. It, it's not going to work up on the screen. Uh, and so, so like now I get that and I understand it. And if you talk to a lot of the authors, like we just talked to Mark Graney and, and Mark Graney was like, uh, the Russo brothers are making the gray man yeah. movies. And, and he's like, yeah. you, you, once, once they buy the rights to it, like you could do whatever they, they want, do whatever with they want yeah. completely. Yeah. And he even says at one point, they really wanted to, to make the gray man not the gray man but the russo brothers are like no we want to keep this true possible form to you know your your stories and i think amazon and netflix i think like these these should be like serialized like it should be yeah. a running because there is an arc to his character so sure. there should be a, there should be you can't do that in two hours so it should be no, long no. you know yeah. what i mean um and i think it would be perfect for that we've also we've yeah. often talked about if well, any thriller series as big as a Mitch Rapp, you know, maybe your Scott Harveth or like you said, The Gray Man, would it work better instead of as a movie, oh, as yeah. a as a miniseries, you know, three yeah, seasons definitely, with definitely. 12 episodes each, like yeah. and they're each an hour long. That might be the better route for a lot of these, these genres, although well, we're also going to get that Amazon is yeah. done with Jack Ryan. So, yeah. I mean, it's not uh, not, not actually an adaptation. I, I enjoyed the it, I, I, I think they're entertaining at least. The end of season two, I I had to suspend a lot of disbelief. <laughs> with oh, the end of, end season of one was good. It was enjoyable. It was enjoyable. I am excited, though. I think because of the casting of Chris Pratt, I think mm. they have a really good chance to get uh, Jack Carr uh, and James Reese right. I think they've got Let's a real... Is yeah. that Amazon or Netflix? Who picked up that one? Uh, uh, it is Amazon. Amazon. That one Amazon. was Amazon. I think... That's a good signal that they they got Chris Pratt, someone who's you know, in the know, he's, a fan favorite. He's a lot of respect for military personnel. A good signal, at least, that we might get something good there. HBO needs to pick up like a thriller, like series. Like, you know, they, they so need something. Scott, you were just saying, you mentioned Scott Harvath. Uh, what's really what I love about these books, like Vince Flynn's books. The world he creates, there's so many. It's not just Mitch Rapp. Like, there's so many other yeah. characters who are like really that he brings in are so cool. Um, and it would just be great to see all of those played out because, like I said, you can't yeah. do it in a, in a two-hour movie. In two hours. Yeah. You yeah. just you just can't do it. I think of like a Marcus Dumond. He would come up as just like a throwaway character. Okay, we needed the resident computer geek to solve a problem. Right. But Marcus has such a better arc if you go over all 20 books marcus plays a significant role even if he gets a little bit of screen time it would feel so cheap in a movie where over a series you could develop someone like a marcus to a, a character fans love and get to know well it to totally different genre look at game of thrones um i don't know if you guys have read the book the game of thrones book i i oh yeah so if I you tried. look at my bookshelves i like i have here's my my fiction is my sci-fi fantasy i'm like a well, former secret service geek 
And so the, the Game of Thrones, like I read those, I took notes when I was reading those books. I've read them several times. And if they had done just like a two, two and a half hour movie, it would have sucked. Yeah. It, it would have sucked really bad. so bad. No. Look at Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Why did Lord of the Rings have to be like three and a half hours each, you know, and it still can't cover, you know, everything. No, yeah. no. I, you know, I think they're actually, uh, they're doing something else with the Lord of the Rings. They're doing a totally getting off topic. The, right, the Amazon else, yeah. series. Yeah. Excited that, about that. That should be actually be pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you guys a question, if you don't mind. What's your favorite sure. Mitch Rat book? What's your Vince, your favorite? I'll say Mitch Rat because you could be Kyle or it could be Vince. Yeah, yeah. I'm sticking with Memorial Day. Uh, that is just cream of the crop for me. It's also nostalgic. It was my first Mitch Rat book I picked up. I remember I talked about Dude, it on the podcast. So it was, it was mine. It yeah. Okay. Nice. It, it was mine because um, it was it was I was in the process of going through the Secret Service and it it was it was after nine eleven when it came out and it was kind of like it was on everyone's mind. It's when I really got into thrillers is around nine eleven uh, and reading it because I was like I was all about it and then I went into law enforcement careers and then I was like this is great. But because I went back and I read the one right before Memorial Day and it was it was a different book. Like yes. Mem- Memorial Day was was balls to the wall. You know, yep. like nuclear explosion. You got the the Middle East stuff and then uh yeah the, like the, the the antagonist was 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 really good yep um jerk jerk bill what was his name um who's the bad guy uh, <laughs> wow who's the bad guy in that one? Oh, the, the one i'm glassing the mitch rap guys come on jeez anyway so the bad guy there was really yeah. was really good but but the the book before was uh executive power i don't know it the executive power yeah yeah exec, executive power which yeah. is it, our, it least, our least favorite so book. far that's our been our favorite least book. favorite one that we've reviewed yeah i mean how much did mitch rap really do that much he was like yeah. on vacation a, a little bit of the time wasn't chris he? chris coined it oh. memorial day leveled up the series and the character it was a complete mm-hmm. you know like it wasn't just linear growth at that point vince flynn just took off with that one just to a completely another level yeah. and he stayed there since you know consent to kill comes out next then Act of Treason, which we're talking to you about, and um, Protect and Defend coming up. Memorial Day leveled up the series. It was a launch, I think. What do you think happens if he continued, uh, if, if Memorial Day doesn't come out? I think it came out like, whatever, 2000. I think I wrote notes, 2003. If he didn't put that book out then, would he have, would he have become the Vince Flynn like we all know? Oh, no. You know, could he have, been that, that, could he no. have become yeah. that writer if that book didn't come out? Yeah, I don't know. Because, you know, this put him on the map sold all those and then it put a big spotlight on him yep um and then i think he i'm not it's vince flynn i think he you know he wrote like holy shit i gotta write kick-ass books yeah and he continued just writing kick-ass books and then pulled and, off the next one with consent yeah, and then to kill, consent to like kill is then like the height his I, I i feel so that's my favorite book and cool. i feel like that is like memorial day is so suspenseful and then consent to kill is like i don't know the apex it has so many different elements to it and like rereading like the death scene of anna even though we hated her as a character <laughs> personally <laughs> i'm gonna say this did, did anybody it's a big really risk like no but just like still. the development the element that that adds to mitch you know his life and how that yeah. then defines him going forward is just you know i, I thought it was great so yeah. it's and alyamani is the, the alyamani I, I yes. pulled it up okay yes. <laughs> alyamani that opening scene where he's coming into the U.S. from international waters on a boat is so creepy. But, yeah. You know what? You mentioned a possible stumbling block along the way of Vince's career. I don't know if you heard this, but we covered it on the podcast. 
things could have gone south when he was trying to self-publish in um oh in Minnesota gosh, yeah. with term limits. Yeah. His original um before it was published and went to print, his original title for it was Stand Up for Your Rights. And I just wonder you know the, the you know term limits is such a sexy title it can mean so many different things and when you read the right. book it obviously means something way different than you thought if it went if it was called stand up for your rights i don't know if it would it launch he doesn't get a second book <laughs> i don't know if you get a second book with that yeah you just the fact that he wanted to self publish back in 90 yeah. late 90s or whenever 99 yeah, 97 98 yeah yeah it, it is is it's crazy, but you know who it reminds me of? Uh, have you guys read David David Ricciardi? David Ricciardi, no, if you no, haven't read I him, he's, to. he's a really good, he's really he's very smart. He's a great writer, right? It's really, really good suspenseful thriller stuff uh, in the vein of, of this, you know, like Vince Flynn type, type stuff. Um, he self-published his first book. And then Tom Colgan saw it and was like, dude, I need your book. Take oh, it up, nice. take, you know, take it, take it down. And then we'll 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 uh, we'll edit a little bit, and then we'll put it out um, with Berkeley Berkeley Publishing. Nice. And now he's three books in, and it's kind of like, dude, that's awesome. Um, and his titles are cool, but you know, you know, a lot of authors, and I wonder, Vince Flynn probably did not even back then did not have the the power to say no, that's the title of my book, because a lot of the authors will say this is my working title, and then the publisher will go. You know, it's Memorial Day. Like, okay. (laughs) Like, that's what it is. But I I guess just to follow up from that, how is, um, you know, transitioning out of, you you know, away from Secret Service now, you're, you're, you're an author, podcaster. How is the writing going? Writing, writing's going. Um, well, I'll just talk about when you were talking about like, uh, transitioning. I thought you were going to go a different way with that. When I, the Secret Service, uh, I went from going a thousand miles an hour mm. to cr- like, it felt like crawling mm. and I had s- crazy anxiety for about six months where I was like, I need to be doing something. I need to be doing oh, something. Yeah. I need to be doing yeah. something because, I I, you know, I, I'd come, I'd come, I'd gone to like to a normal life. <laughs> you were like, cranked up to normal. 11 every day, yeah. <laughs> every day, man, every day. And, and I don't think I could crank that shit back up anymore. <laughs> so it's kind of it's good that it's not there. Um, but so the writing thing, um, you know, I've, I, I've always written stuff. But when I got into law enforcement, uh, you know, at, in college, I was writing to writing courses in college. I would write short stories. Um, I always envisioned myself writing one day. And then I got into law enforcement and they said, no, that's not how you write. This is how we write. And you have to write your, your investigative reports this way. Because mm. if you write them this way, no this way because we have to you know your your reports are going to end up in court yeah you can't right. have all this flowery language yeah. and all this crazy stupid shit and so it's very I similar a, to science writing i i i i have a problem technical writing too much fluff too much fluff yeah. and my my boss puts it out so oh my god <laughs> oh it's when <laughs> i write up the kids at school they're like no a parent's gonna pick this apart what do you mean the kid was throwing a temper tantrum you just have to descriptively say what physically happened in the room you can't put adjectives on it that show emotion or perspective. Yeah, yeah, you can't. And and I went so I had to retrain my brain. So when I got out of the Secret Service, I had a couple of things on my bucket list I wanted to do. And one of them was to write a book. And I was like, shit, I'm gonna write a book. And of course I'm gonna write a thriller. Right? It's gonna have a Secret Service hero. And I and I wrote it. It, it took it took took some time. And I'm like, I have a, a checklist of things I want to accomplish, you know, get an agent, get a book deal. Um and so I, you know, started shopping around with you know 
the query letter to get an agent, grabbed an agent, and he was like, this is good. He goes, but we need to make this a lot better. I could see that you're still writing like an investigator. We got to write fiction. So we got to write like a fiction author. And, and so I went back to the drawing board and it was like another year yeah. of, of editing. And I, and I got a book and we shopped it and I got a book deal and I turned it down because mm. the, the book deal was not good. Um, and I want to make a career, second career. I want to make a career out of this. And if I had taken that deal, um, my sales weren't good. I wouldn't have gotten this. I wouldn't have gotten another, another deal for book two. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so it's, it's on the, it's on the back burner and in I've written like three quarters of the sequel to that. So I'm holding off on it. I've written a, uh, Brad Taylor does a lot of this tie in novella like in the right. beginning. So it's kind of right. like an origin of it. So I've written that as well. I've written a short story. The short story actually um, just got picked up by a magazine. So it'll get published, I don't know, next month or a couple of months. I don't know exactly when it's going to get published, but it's all about secret service stuff. Um, and the crazy thing is, is unfortunately, the th- we all love reading these thrillers, but the thriller genre is saturated yeah. with lots and lots and lots of authors writing some really good stuff, but there's only so much space. Um, sure. And so now I'm writing a historical fiction, but I like, it's not just historical fiction. I'd like to call it historical thriller. So it has a deal. uh, And I'll let you guys know it has a deal with uh, 1869 circa 1869 with a secret service agent and a plot to kill assassinate Ulysses S grant. Oh, that's great. That's right up my alley. That sounds fun. We'll see what happens. Well, (laughs) we'll consider it an open invitation on this podcast. If you ever want to come back and tell us about uh, your career and how the writing goes for you and when Uh, the first uh, book or novella is out there for the public, uh, love to have you back to uh, pick your brain and talk about it here. Thanks guys, man. It's, it's fun being on this side. (laughs) Sorry if I was talking too much. (laughs) No, we love it. We love it. And our listeners will love it too. We do have one more question. We always like to end our interviews by saying if you could recommend um, or tell us the last great thing that you've consumed in media, TV, podcast, book, something. Last book. Um, Plug anything you want. Well, I'll I'll plug Dark Spiral Down by Mike Houts because he's uh, he's an awesome writer. But the last thing I did write was Todd Goldberg's uh, Low Desert. It's crime noir. Deals with like gangsters and some really dark, gritty stuff. But it's fascinating and it's really good. So it was Todd Goldberg's book. Um, but Dark Spiral out. Down by Mike Houts. Go right. by that. It's an awesome good. book. And uh, tell us again where we can find you. Thecrewreviews.com. The Crew Reviews. We don't review anything, but thecrewreviews.com. Or you can go to my website, cealbanese.com. And you're missing out awesome. if you don't subscribe to The Crew Reviews right now. Some of your favorite authors have been on their show. So go through the catalog. Search for someone you love. I bet they talk to him. Well, Chris, thanks for coming on. It really meant a lot, and this was great. Fun talking. All right, boys. See you. All right, guys. We hope you enjoyed our discussion with Chris. Uh, he's a great guy. Can't wait to get the vaccine so we can go have a drink with him. Yeah, he's one of our neighbors too. I, mean, <laughs> yeah, I didn't, didn't realize, realize that. <laughs> I, no drive, idea. I think I drive by his house on the way to work every day. It's probably 15 minutes for me on the way to my in-laws. I pass his area. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. All right. So next week we are going to be doing our March book, Protect and Defend, Part One. So be on the look for that. If you want to reread along with us, go ahead and read the first, you know, half. First uh, 20, 25 so chapters. Again, we can't thank 
you guys enough, our, our patrons. We wouldn't be here without you. So especially our special operator, Sherry F., our special agents, George, Matt, Don, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, and Jeff. Uh, big shout out to you guys. As always, please subscribe, rate, and review us using your, our, your, sorry. Please subscribe, rate, and review us. <laughs> Don't cut this. Please Nobody subscribe. listens to this part I, anyway. I know. So who cares? Please subscribe, <laughs> rate, and review us using your favorite podcasting platform. You can find us at MitchRapPod.com, Twitter handle, Instagram handle, MitchRapPod. And as always, just let Mitch be Mitch. Just a disclaimer, this podcast is not affiliated with Vince Flynn, Kyle Mills, or Simon & Schuster, but thank you to them for bringing us the wonderful world of rap. And the music soundtrack is Gorilla Tactics by Raphael Crooks.